This is I Hate the Fins. This is episode 28. We're with the Finsider Radio Podcast Network. Happy, happy to be a part of that network. Happy to be with you. My name is Keith. I'm with Zach, as always. Uh, the good news, I'm told we'll have football soon. I don't know if you've seen that in the news. Pretty soon, camp's getting going here. Uh, and then before you know, it'll be the 2019 season. So, And then before you know, it'll be over. And then we'll be right back to bitching about how we have nothing to talk about. The good news is we're coming up here, off-season doldrums, about to come to a close. So we thought we'd take a little bit of time tonight in between talking about our our hideous personal lives to sit here and discuss actual football things, off-season recap. So, Zach, what stood out to you this off-season? Stuff that you can look at as a Dolphins fan and have some interest in and maybe some... uh, encouragement from what you saw this offseason um well i think the major the major highlights are are probably staff changes at the beginning of the offseason um uh draft and then i guess kind of shoring up some of the cornerstone guys that they're looking to keep moving forward um not a lot of free agency kind of stuff but um i think they kind of set their footing and made their stance of what their their game plan is going into year one of their their rebuild here. Um, so I think those are kind of the main things, starting with the staff changes for sure. I think that for me, because I like to oversimplify things when it comes to the sport, sports in general, but definitely football. I think this season for the Dolphins, uh, you can boil it down to two things. Number one, the start of the Flores regime. Uh, and officially Chris Greer instead of whatever he was doing, pulling the puppet strings before or whatever people say. Now he's the guy in terms of the front office. So this regime begins. How does it look? How does it progress? How are we How are we developing? Are we better at the end of the season than we started? And number two is Rosen versus Fitzpatrick. And, you know, do, is Rosen beat him out? How long does it take? Can we get this thing going? Can we stop talking about Tua? Because I don't know if you've been on, I've tried to, I always try to avoid Twitter right before the season starts because the usual whiny fans, and I mean like certain accounts where <clears throat> they get, it takes nothing for them to get going. Like there are, there are people out there still bitching about Ryan Tannehill. It's like, he's gone. Unless you're going to become a, t- a Titans fan, you don't need to worry about him anymore. Yeah. Like he's gone. He is yeah. out of the state. He's in Tennessee. He is not your problem. Anyway, so there's a big Tua versus Rosen debate yet. Rosen hasn't even started for these guys yet. It's so early. It's so, so early. And it, and it's funny, too, because I just finished up my my summer report on Tua. And, like, Tua's good. Don't get me wrong. But, like, you, you got to see what you got first before you start shopping for something else. Like, that's just kind of how it works. I don't I don't know why you would even think about anything else. And... You know, whatever the product ends up being on the field from Rosen this year will potentially dictate where they go if they go quarterback or not. But it's so early; like they haven't even started training camp. So why even start thinking? And and this is coming from a guy that my off season is about to begin with training camp starting. You know, I, I'm I'd like to think I'm more draft oriented than anything else. But like, mm-hmm. stop thinking about the draft. So just because I love to instigate. Um, for the Tua is everything crowd to the point where I feel like people are just hoping that Rosen and Fitzpatrick battle to the death 
And then all of a sudden, like they just pretty much paves the way for Tua to come in next year, even if they're able to draft him, mind you, even if he comes out, which isn't a lock, by the way. So, I mean, we don't even know that. But for the, the Tua's everything crowd, can you just give a brief synopsis? Your take because you've done a lot of tape on him. We talk about this often. So just I mean, cliff notes, go ahead, upset as many people as you like, make them happy, do what you do. No, I mean, two is good. There's there's no way to to get around that. He does all the basic things that you want him to do right. You know, he's got that athleticism that you're looking for out of, you know, modern quarterbacks. He's not Kyler Murray athletic, but like if he needs to pick up a first out with his legs, he'll do it. Um I think the biggest things for him are going to be uh, one, he has that that issue that a lot of young quarterbacks do is when he does move up in the pocket, sometimes he gets up on his toes and he'll overthrow guys occasionally. Um, It's pretty rare, but at times you'll see it. Um, The other one that he gets at times too is um, it's it's just going to be can he handle adversity at the end of the day? He plays for Alabama, has probably the best wide receivers in college football in a long time. That group of four is ridiculously good. You know, losing a national championship to Clemson, is that is that hard? Is that a lot of adversity? Maybe. We'll see. Um, but I, I just, can he handle the ups and downs and propel a team past the downs at, and that's what would make him a franchise quarterback. And then finally, can he stay healthy? Um, he's he's had a bunch of ankle, hamstring, kind of banged up kind of deals. Um, if he can stay healthy this whole season, if he can clean up a little bit of the, the footwork stuff, um, and if he can put the team on his back in moments where, you know, they're just blowing out teams throughout the season and they get to the playoffs and – technically you got to beat Clemson and that's the adversity going to have to figure that stuff out. But at the end of the day, I can't see a scenario where he's not a top 10 pick. If he comes out next year, Um, he just does all the basic things exactly right. And I mean, if a team would take Jared Goff as high as the Rams took Jared Goff, teams are going to love Tua. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. He's got, in terms of receiver weapons, he's got the the best cannons in the country right now. It's not close. Their fourth guy, Waddle, is like, is one of my favorite receivers in college football. Like, and he was a freshman last year, and he's unbelievably good. Plus, he wears that Kenyon Drake 17, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, they're all burners. I mean, like, they're ridiculous. I mean, Ruggs, I would say, is the fastest of all of them. I mean, stupid fast just stupid yeah, fast that's a great way to put it just stupid blinding speed and jerry judy is an absolute i mean i love using the term slasher but i mean that dude can run i mean yeah. like they they just they get they get out they spread it out they're really tough on defense for that reason so clemson i think deserves a ton of credit mm-hmm. and really it comes down to what their defensive line was able to do because i mean you 100%. have they had to get after Tua in that game because, I mean, you let those, I mean, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Clemson secondary because they, their corners especially made some plays early on in that game when it looked like Alabama might be able to really uh, start to ground and pound them in terms of doing their Alabama thing, tilting the field position and then just absolutely just beating them to death. And then, yeah, and, and, and I mean, you also saw that he struggled with a little bit of face pressure to a, 
against uh, Clemson as well, too. But that also was because he was working off of bum hamstrings and, and an ankle injury. Oh, yeah, he was um, all beat he, up. I mean, that yeah. injury he suffered in the Georgia game, I think, yep. was it late. Was it, I think, late in the third quarter when he took yeah, that? It was, it was in the back end. Yeah, it was gruesome. I mean, I mean, he played, he got through it in terms of getting to that national championship game. But, I mean, I think Clemson, Clemson's defense and it, the game they called with their defensive coordinator was was ridiculous because, to let's be honest, Alabama's look, offense looked bad in that game, all things considered. They did a lot of uncharacteristic things. They did a lot of stupid stuff on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Which you don't really you don't usually see from Alabama, especially with Tua. I mean, having your kickers, your lead blockers, a pretty good fourth down plan, if you ask me. Yeah, that was that was really bad. Beautiful. I mean, they just that was I mean, beautiful. Clump- that was college football art. I mean, Trevor Lawrence just took their lunch money in that game too, and that's another yeah, thing. He, that that Bama oh. defense, they had no answer for that dude. Nobody does. I feel yeah. bad for college football. In Clemson's running game, that that was another thing, and we talked about this. Not that we're trying to heap praise on on Clemson here against Alabama, although I don't like Alabama, so I'll do it. Even though I love Bama receivers, we already talked about that last show. Um, we so in that Georgia Georgia game, so the SEC championship game, I thought Georgia ran the ball just right down Alabama's throat at one point in that game, and was beating them to the edge. And I feel like I can count on one hand how many times I've seen Bama cleanly beat to the edge in the running game. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen often. They, it seems like they just always have dudes just flying in from all three levels to make something happen there. It's ridiculous. I thought Georgia beat them up pretty good in that regard. And then Etienne in the national championship game just absolutely just ran all over them. He's so good. He's so fast. Like. His second gear is like other dudes' third gear, and like if he puts in the third gear, it's it's over. It's ugly. Like, like he's like the second coming of CJ Spiller. Hopefully, he just has a better pro career. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't go to Buffalo. I think yeah, that kind of RIP. Yeah, man. You think about that that twenty ten draft, just in some of the like the oddball picks in there in terms of like where guys went. And everything. I mean, we talked about the draft last time too. But Etienne, I mean, he was patient in that game too. I mean, like he would go ahead and he would he would almost hang on for a split second in the backfield, and then he would just find a hole. And he was just there were a couple of touchdowns where it looked like he just walked in, and they were not they were not just open running lanes there. I mean, like he made it happen. Yeah, he he's got really good patience and vision. Um, at the end of the day, I think he's one of the guys that may surprise people and end up being a first round running back. Um, but we've seen how that, that first round running back market has gone outside of um, uh, Barkley. So I don't mm-hmm. know, but he's, he's worth a consideration. I would say. Do you think Todd Gurley's on the, uh, the downswing? It's so tough. Cause I, I don't think Todd Gurley is. I think there's a chance that Todd Gurley's body is. Um, that's what I mean. Yeah, and that's that's the tough thing. I think if Todd Gurley has knees, I think Todd Gurley runs all over the NFL for you know a solid six to eight years, no problem. Um, mm-hmm. But like he's in year four, year five, um, and he's he's already like knees are shot. Like they they're picking up second backup guys, you know. Left and right, I just 
I I think he's on his body's on decline. I think he could do so much more, which is really sad. Yeah, I think that it was just weird how um in the playoffs because I mean like he was really banged up at the end of the regular season, and then it turned into a thing of are we going to see him in the playoffs? And then all of a sudden, um, you just you never really got an answer for what was wrong with him. Because I mean, like he was he was almost a no show in that um NFC Championship. Outside of I think he scored a touchdown in that game, and then it was like a like a goal line type carry outside that you didn't see much from him. And then um, they're I mean obviously in the Super Bowl, but it's like they never could come out and just say like, oh, this is what he had going on. And at that point, the speculation machine starts up, and then people are like, well, he's had knee issues in his entire career. He had him at Georgia. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and um, and that's that's a shame, but I mean, shelf life for running backs at this point is is six years. Um, if you're lucky, you know, eight years is really nice. If you make it a decade, that's a miracle. What's your? Well, I want. There's some other things I want to get into, but first, we'll we'll keep it Dolphins for a little bit. So, what's the thing you're most looking forward to as these guys go into camp? Is there anything you're you're curious to see as the the, the machine gets going? Um, I don't want to say Rosen because that's, that's the obvious one. Um, sure. I think I'm interested to see with their lack of true pass rushers, how they deploy their pass rushers and their edge linebackers this year, especially potentially with a, a change in scheme there. Um, you know, I, I think there's guys that if they stick like Nate Orchard, uh, like, I think they'll see some playing time because what else is there? You know, they've, yeah. they've stocked up on a, on a lot of these heavier edge guys, Adolphus Washington, um, the undrafted free agent that they picked up from Georgia that I like. Why can't I not remember his name? Um, but you know what I'm talking about. So, so those heavier yeah. edge guys that'll, that'll almost be your end line defensive end. Not to mention that Christian Wilkins can do that no problem. You could set him as a, a five technique with an outside linebacker over his shoulder, and he'll do that all day long. Um, so I think it's it'll be interesting to see how they deploy their edge players to potentially generate sack production out of more guys with a few sacks. I think they're going to have you know six to eight guys with three to seven sacks this year instead of having one guy that's 13 14 15 another guy that's maybe nine or ten and that kind of setup so we talked about the linebackers a little bit at the end of the last show and then we teased it going into this show so maybe we can paint a a better picture here so how do you see this linebacker group developing just i mean based on what they had now you touched upon it a little bit in terms of what they they can do, we talked we focused on Jerome Baker mm-hmm. last time around. I think he's he's a big name in that group on the second level. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing going into this year um, is that people need to not put themselves in the mindset of the Dolphins run a base forty three or base thirty four defense. I think this is going to be the most multiple defense that you've seen in potentially forever from the Dolphins. Um, I think on base downs where they, they want to stack the box, they'll, they'll run some sort of 43 over 34 um, 
kind of real heavy kind of package. And they're going to move dudes all over. I mean, they're, they're training Bobby McCain as a free safety. So that means they can free up Minka to move him around. I think mm-hmm. you, that gives you on early downs, you can play uh, McMillan, no problem in the middle. And then you can take your pick of, do you want to play Alonzo next to him? Do you want to play Charles Harris next to him? Do you want to play Rashad Jones next to him? You know, like, do you want to play whoever, you know, TJ McDonald? You can play whoever at that point as potentially as your run and chase next to McMillan. Um, and then there may be packages where you don't play McMillan in there on early downs because you're playing a team that likes to throw it 68% of the time instead of running it, you know, and, and McMillan sees just less snaps that time. I think at the end of the day, don't set yourself an expectation that this team is going to have a specific Mike, a specific Sam, a specific Will in a 43-34 kind of defense. I mean, how you you may even see some some three three five looks. You're definitely going to see five uh, two kind of looks. Like you're going to see a lot of different things this year out of this defense. What do you need to see this year from this defense to know that these guys are on the right track in terms of scheme specifically? I mean, you can talk about personnel too, but. Because, I mean, years past, it's always been like, well, we just sat here and we couldn't believe why Matt Burke was doing the things that he did. So is there anything that could give you an indication early on that, I mean, things might be rough going early Mm -hmm. on, but clearly this is a different defense. Clearly this is, they have the right goal in mind going forward. I mean, you want to see the basics coming into year one. You want to see the basics and the basics of defense going in is, you can you can play the run. Doesn't mean you necessarily stuff the run on every down, but everyone's tackling. Fundamentals are there. People are playing their gaps. And in the passing game, dudes aren't running free. You got guys supporting in the run when they need to. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, minimize big plays. That's been the Dolphins' killer for for past couple years, especially with Burke. Was they'd play decent defense but they give up big plays. And if you're giving up big plays, that's going to kill a defense no matter how good you are on every other down. It's it's just going to give up your not only how you look on tape, but at the end of the day, it's going to kill your numbers and, and the statistics of it in the back end. Mm-hmm. All right. So a couple of things I want to just chit-chat about. Number one, so one of my best friends growing up is from... His family's from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. He's a Packers fan, mm-hmm. a diehard Packers fan. And he's got a side of the family where they have season tickets to Lambeau and everything. It's just a big deal. His dad is a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. So we went, um, all of us have little kids now. So we got together around the 4th of July and we all had our kids running around and whatnot or crawling around in my case. And um, he kind of asked me about Daddy Gase. <laughs> and so I, I knew where this was going, and I, I sort of at back at him. I just asked, "Is your dad drinking the Daddy Gay's Kool Aid?" He was like, "Yeah, big time." Mm, they so all he's are. just absolutely eating. Yeah, isn't that funny though? Because for the longest time, you think about like what happened with Jay Ajaye. Mm-hmm. Jets fans were the first ones in line to ridicule everything that went down with with Gase in terms of the the personnel dumpster fire. Yeah. And just the, the handling, the relationships and whatnot. And it, this sports is funny, football especially, in that people have the shortest memory 
when it comes to something like this, especially New York fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so, the sports psychology of it all. I mean, it's it's one of those things where when it becomes yours, because it's attached to something that you're so emotionally attached to, like you can flip the story in a second, so it hurts less. Because that's that's exactly what my Jets buddy has been doing too. Is like he he was one of the first ones when he's like. It, it was literally this past fall. He was like, ooh, I don't know if I like how Adam Gase is handling the media. And I was like, dude, like, one, South Florida media is garbage. I've, I would yeah, the worst. blow that whole thing up and everyone and get rid of everyone. There's very few people in South Florida media that are worthwhile at this point. But two, I was like, this dude's exhausted. And like, this isn't a guy that is good with the media in the first place. So like, yeah, it's going to look bad. And he's like, well, you know, we'll see if he makes it. And then he gets fired and he's like, well, told you that he wasn't going to make it. And I was like, okay, well. And then the Jets panic hire him and now it's like flipped. He, it's totally flipped where like, you know, he's handling the New York media pretty well. It's like, dude, do you not remember the conversation we had in November? But like it's, right. it's the sports psychology of it all. You know, again, when your team wins, everybody says we did a great job. But when they lose, they say they did a terrible job. You know, little things like that that, mm-hmm. that make sports so interesting. So I asked him I was about the whole daddy gaze thing. And he then he asked me, he was like, well, what can he expect from Adam Gaze? And I was like, huh, I'm so glad you asked. So number one thing that you're going to get with him is that regardless of how good Le'Veon Bell is or regardless of how good he is a fit in that offense, Adam Gaze will use him only as he sees fit. Mm-hmm. And he, so... The matchup could be stupid successful, but if if it doesn't fit Adam Gase's ego, it's not going to work. Not for him. So I brought that up and he started to laugh and whatnot. And I think he, because I mean, I always give you credit for Daddy Gase, the name, (laughs) obviously. You don't want to disappoint Daddy Gase. But, and he asked other things and I said that anyone who even thinks about giving that guy problems or causing a problem in the locker room, they're gone. Which normally would be okay. To a degree, that's fine because mm-hmm. we were all about it when he came in and he got rid of the Grimes institution right off the mm-hmm. bat. Like their heads were spinning. He got rid of them that quick. But it's different when you're not really getting, I mean, JHIA, which I mean, I understand that he was, he always had a limited shelf life anyway because of the knee condition. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was pretty much running bone on bone from the beginning. And I get that he has a little bit of a, an eccentric um, over the top personality that I'm sure grades some people, whatever. I mean, he's a, he's a pro athlete. I mean, those, a lot of those guys exude that kind of confidence. Um, but then, I mean, like, so Adam Gase leaves him off the plane when they go to Seattle week one that year, his first year, mm-hmm. mind you, this is his first game as an NFL head coach. And he leaves the star running back off the plane and he takes Arian Foster instead. And in a way, I guess I I get why JJ would be upset about that, and I've never been a big JJ fan post Dolphins because all that get that it seems like he that guy spent so much time running his mouth when it's like, dude, you're playing in the Super Bowl. Why are you talking about your former head coach? And it's not like they traded him to a bad situation. They traded him to the at that time. I think the Eagles had one loss, and mm-hmm. on Halloween in in twenty uh twenty seventeen. So, but if you're if it's week one. And you're and Adam Gase brings in Arian Foster. It makes it clear that Arian Foster is going to get a lot of touches and everything. And you're 
JJIA and you just had multiple, what was it, three 200 yard mm-hmm. games? You know, against the Steelers, one against the Jets, and one against the Bills. Or did he do the Bills twice for 200? I think, I think it was Bills yeah. twice. Yeah. Yeah, it was Bills twice. And then did he get the Jets once? Or was it? No, it was Bills, did he Bills do Pitt- um, Pittsburgh. Okay, there we go. I remember he, he, he also ran it all over the Jets, but it wasn't to that Yeah, level. it was close. Okay. It was close. It was 100 yeah, and something. It, it was. That's right. He did the Bills. He did the Bills for over 400 yards in two games. So that's delightful. Um, for that alone, I feel like he should have a statue outside Joe Robbie. But over um, by the tennis courts, though. Yes, obviously. So it, that was just something that came up. Where I mean, just what kind of? And then another thing you brought up is when we made jokes about who's going to be the first guy to go this season. I mean, Duran Lee already got tossed for a six-round pick. Yep. That seemed that seemed premature. In terms of, hey, Daddy Gase doesn't care about the value, but we Robbie Anderson's got to be the obvious answer, right? Yeah, but at the same time, they ain't got nothing for receivers, so this might be a year where that's not gonna that's not gonna change his mind. That's not gonna matter at all. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, Rob, Robbie Anderson is is tough. He's a guy that just if he could keep his head on straight and just do what he needs to do too. You know, and I mean, it's not going to do any favors hanging out with Bell, where Bell has his own off the field recreational activities that he enjoys, um, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the NFL does. Um, so right. until then, you kind of just can't do it. Um, I mean, same thing is is when all my friends were trying to come out of college and get jobs. Certain people want to get jobs in certain things, and other ones wanted to get jobs in other things. Some jobs didn't allow you to do that. So don't do it. It's it's really easy. Stay employed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I could see I I could see Gase tossing him at some point. Yeah, we'll see. The other thing I want to bring up, non football related. Have you noticed that there's already Spirit Halloween stores out? Have you seen? Yeah, them? those bad boys start real early. I the, saw the one. second they can slide into an old. Uh, um, Oh like, my goodness! Like what a, is the word that I'm, department store? Yeah, or like <laughs> around here, they're all they're in the uh, the old circuit cities and whatnot. Yeah, that we say yeah, all the here. old department stores and electronic stores that don't exist anymore because us millennials are killing it. Yeah, exactly. Amazon, one hundred percent. Damn you, Zach, for not buying a washer and dryer. You're killing Sears. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Sears, Sears feeling the brunt of it. And I always feel so bad because. I think we've talked about this a few times. Amazon, obviously the devil, but at the same mm-hmm. time, no one's even, no one cares because that two day sh- free shipping is insane. Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing with Amazon is every every now and then I'll tweet Mackenzie Bezos and see if she's interested in going out on a date or something because um, I'm pretty <laughs> confident she could pay off my student loans at this yeah, point. She could. Other than that, I, I try to avoid Amazon. Um, but Mackenzie, if you're listening to our podcast, I'm available. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the checks in the mail, I'm sure. So, uh, man, yeah. and they've even upped their game in terms of shipping. There are times where my wife will buy yeah. something. It's at. It could be a Saturday night. It will be at our house Sunday at noon. That's horrifying. It's insane. And I mean, like, but you think about like they wage war on UPS and FedEx mm-hmm. by doing that. Um, there's a whole story about how I came to find out that um they were doing that. It was almost like they were they were running like a like an Uber for delivery drivers. 
yep. for, for guys, you know, to pretty much volunteer to deliver packages. I think that's what they have going on with that Sunday delivery, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And so I noticed that yeah, already Halloween stores, it was like the week after the 4th of July. I cause the, sometimes they eat at Chipotle cause we have one right near work and I was sitting there looking across the street and I was like, holy crap, there's already a Halloween store and it's July 8th or whatever. So I couldn't believe that. But then my friend and I were talking, we're trying to figure out the big Halloween costume this year. And I think mm. you didn't watch Stranger Things, so this won't make as much sense to you. But the char- the main character, Steve, you know, the guy with the beautiful hair. Yes, um, I, I know who that is. Yeah. So this season he works at this this ice cream shop in the mall. It's called Scoops Ahoy. Scoops Ahoy. So Scoops Ahoy, he's dressed as he's dressed like a sailor. The literally the whole season. It's the only outfit he wears. Oh he's, dear he's, God. Got like, he's got like this sailor outfit. He's like, you know, like the little shorts. That's gotta be it, right? That's I've just interneted be... this and and I'm sure that this will be worn quite a bit. This is this is something. <laughs> Look at those shorts. My goodness. I think it's oh. a lot. I think you can just go ahead and close up shop now. That's that's your winner. I was talking about with one of my friends the other day, and it was like that scoops ahoy outfit's got to be the Halloween costume of 2019, right? And I was like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's something I, very. I was going to say something like. About that. I was going to say something like Avengers or Spider Man or something, but like, no, this this is it. Nah, scoops ahoy, all the way. Oof. Interesting. Um, well, the problem with that. It's going to give a lot of dudes license to wear really short shorts, which is, I mean, I feel like anytime any any guy can wear some sort of like risque outfit for Halloween, they're going to do it. So here we are. <clears throat> All right. Well, oh. that, that's Great it. Scoops, at- scoops Ahoy and, and training camp coming up. Scoops Ahoy. Scoops Ahoy for training camp. We're right <laughs> at 30 minutes. This is a banner day in I Hate the Fins. Um, lore history, I guess you'd say. We're living the um, dream right now. Yeah, of course we are. So our our view, our listeners just dropped to five. By the way, so R.I.P. <laughs> it's rough out there, man. Sorry, it's so kind of a little training camp review. Some discussion about the year. Go easy on Josh Rosen. Stop talking about Tua for now. At least, at least give him a chance to lose a bunch of games as your starter before you decide you want to run him out of town, Arizona style, <clears throat> Steve Kime style. Don't even call him. Uh, so for Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for joining us tonight. Try to keep it short. Try to keep these to about 30 minutes. Sometimes we'll do 40, 45. Depends on what we have going on. So um, that'll do it. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll be back. I think we're going to do another episode this week. We're going to try to get this going. I would say that though. And then we don't, <clears throat> I promise we'll get another one this week. So yeah, until then we'll talk to you soon. Take care.